Hi skiers, I'm Jeff from SkiEssentials.com. Welcome to the second episode of our new speaker series. Uh, this time around, we're chatting with Warner Nickerson. Uh, Warner's an awesome guy. He has a really successful YouTube channel. He was a successful ski racer um, through NCAAs, through NORAMs. He had World Cup starts. He had World Championship starts. Uh, now he's pretty involved with K2. Uh, skis for Heli Hansen, um, and just all around pretty exciting and fun guy to talk to. He's always got a lot going. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with him. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. For some reason, the video quality on my end didn't turn out very good. Um, this was Warner's in Sweden, so we were we were video chatting from Vermont to Sweden. Um, luckily, his video quality was really good, so. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you dealing with the less than ideal video quality on, on our end, um, but it doesn't affect the, uh, the, the, how fun the interview is, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it, and, and keep an eye out for the next episode. Thanks. Uh, hey, Warner. How are you? I'm great. Jeff, how are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know you're a busy guy from, from watching all your videos, so I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Always time for you. Good. Uh, so, Warner, uh, let everyone know, where are you living these days? Yeah, so I live in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, met a Swedish girl, and um, she's amazing. Lynn moved here, we're engaged, and uh, yeah, it's it's been nice to be in Sweden, especially during all this COVID stuff. It's, yeah, it's sure. mostly normal here. Um, so that's yeah. really nice. Like no masks and stuff oh, nice. like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It, yeah. It'd be nice to be in a, a slightly more normal spot right now. Although things are starting to feel more normal around here too, I'd say. Good. Uh, we're going to circle back to, to your life in Sweden at the end of this. Um, but I thought we'd start by just kind of talking about your early skiing and kind of your ski career. Um, so where did, uh, and if I, if I lose you, I'm going to, I'll get you right back. My battery is not super high, but I just thought it was so nice to be outside. Yeah, that's fine. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll roll with the punches as we go. Uh, so Warner, where did you, uh, where'd you grow up? Guilford, New Hampshire, um, Gunstock ski area. That's where I grew up. Little nice. mountain epic how old were you when you started skiing three ish yep do you have like early memories from those those young skiing days totally being really cold um yeah. but just <laughs> but just enjoying uh enjoying being outside and yeah enjoying the snow did you have a was it was it kind of a family skiing atmosphere yeah definitely um and like my parents, they like, it was kind of like their escape too. So, you know, they yeah. drop us off to go train or go do whatever. And then they got to ski and it was like a nice balance. Sure. Um, how old were you when you started ski racing? Um, I don't know. I mean, the first races there is this, they've got this, the midget race, the Tony Bootinger midget race. Um, and that was maybe five or six, um, so you're pretty early. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty early to start doing it. I don't think there's much, uh, there's not much racing younger than that. I wouldn't think. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, 
uh, when, you know, I, I, I assume our audience knows that you're a pretty successful skier. Um, when did you start finding success? I'm always fascinated with like the, those early years in a mm -hmm. skier's career. Um, like I did an interview with Mike Hattrip recently and I asked mm -hmm. him the same question. Like when did you have a realization and when was that like, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this? Yeah, when I was like the end of my junior year in high school was okay. when I was like, I really like this and want to do more. And then I took a year off after I graduated. Um, okay. So that was like the moment that was like, all right, I really like this and want to do more and want to keep going. Yeah. You know. Now, were you, um, had you linked up with the U.S. ski team by then, by that? No, no, year? no, not at all. No, okay. I, I was, I was a, a late bloomer, as a they rogue, call it. A rogue solo athlete? Yeah, turned into that. <laughs> um is that is that about when you started on the noram circuit no no um i just i just wanted to do more and get better i you know i had like i don't know yeah 70 or 80 point like a, no maybe 100 point I, had a, I was bad growing up i was not good until i took a year off and then i and then i made some huge gains and and wanted to go to college and then made a bunch of gains in college and then wanted to keep skiing so where did you but ski it was, in that, that year off, that gap year? Yeah, I skied out in Colorado. Um, it was called Team Go. We were kind of part of Team Summit. Um, yep, so sure. Summit County, Colorado. Yep. Um, yeah. And then you came back to the East Coast for college, correct? Yeah. Yep. Colby in Maine. Oop. Sorry about that. Did a little, did a little face plant there. No biggie. Right. That's, that's the hazards <laughs> of the yacht club. Uh, as a as someone who grew up in Maine, I'm I was trained uh, from my family not to like people that went to Colby, but I think we'll just gloss over that. It's <laughs> um, pretty funny. Yeah, right. So I want to talk a little bit about you know coming from the East Coast and being based on the East Coast for training. Um, do you personally think there's a benefit to that as a ski racer? Um, I, I mean, look, like, I think that the biggest thing is your own self-determination to keep pushing. Um, and sure, like no question in the East, you, you kind of breed a lot of that by having it be challenging as far as like cold weather, brutal conditions. Um, so I would say yes, but you know, there's a, ton of good places to grow up and be be a great ski racer or you know go on a different path and do something other type of skiing or, or something totally different yep yeah i always you know i i come from more of a freestyle background at least for the competitive side of my skiing um and i always kind of look favorably at at ski racers based on the east coast because i was always a park guy based on the east coast and for me i was like this is terrible but for ski racers, you know, you, I, I, it looks to me like, you know, you get a lot of experience with, like you said, cold temperatures and variable snow conditions. Um, and quite hard snow. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, yep. like now I'd say Vale is winning the race there because, you know, they inject the surface and have great surface okay. from, you know, October on. Um, so, you know, but the surface really matters. Um, but once again, it's that, it's that self-determination. It's yep. that, 
you want to keep going. Yeah. I think you can't stress that enough. Um, so it was during your time at Colby that you started finding some success on the NORAM circuit? Yes, that is accurate. Very uh, accurate. Where did you get your first win? NORAM win. I, I think I won uh, Sunday River. I think I won a GS in Sunday River. Um, but that was after, after college, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, is that, is that what the internet says? Uh, <laughs> I can't recall. I, I, I researched <laughs> it briefly and I know it mentioned Sunday river and I was, mm -hmm. I was kind of interested in, uh, and I figured I'd ask you this question. Was it fun kind of getting some East coast, new England wins coming from a new England area? I would imagine that you had family there and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's always, I mean, for me, it was always more fun and easier to race at home or yeah. relatively close to home. So right. It's yeah less, less travel well you know the hills better you you know the culture uh, it's all those little things that that yeah. are nice um now were you racing ncaa as well yeah yeah so i mean i i was a full-on ncaa skier I, I i did noramps and stuff but i i wasn't like the hybrids that we have now uh you know the, like life christian haugans and um Trevor Phillips that are, are racing college and the world cup. So I was strictly college skier and just kind of kept hammering along. So what was that? This is actually something that we've been talking about. We do like a weekly news video and a lot of, a lot of news, especially this summer has been revolving around ski racing and kind of some of the dynamics between college and, and FIS, so to speak. Um, so what was it like? You know, I know it's different now, little bit but what was it like for you transitioning from that college racing into norams getting involved with the u.s ski team and ultimately having world cup starts um i mean that's a, that's a super broad question um, i know <laughs> <laughs> um i'd say in the context then um you know there there was really no support from the national team um but uh, no like clear support um but they were open to a couple camps here and there so i got to train with them a little bit um occasionally okay. and and that was nice and then once i i won a world cup start in beaver creek then then the doors like opened up a lot more okay made it let's just pick up where we left off you made it made it from college through norams What's it like standing in the start gate of a World Cup ski race? Um, well, it's pretty amazing. Um, it, it, it totally depends where you are. Um, so it's, it's amazing when you're ready, and it's awful when you're not. How about that? Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how many World Cup starts did you have? Uh, like 20-something. Did you have, uh, was there like a particular venue that, that sticks out as your, your favorite spot? Yeah, I really like Beaver Creek, but I, I loved Alta Padilla. It was just such a challenging hill. Yeah. Um, I always kind of sucked there, but it was, uh, it was a rad hill. And 
super fun to ski, just like so demanding, so challenging from top to bottom. A ton of big trail turns, really steep. Um, didn't let up. It was a great hill, one of my favorites for sure. Cool. Now, and, and you also had some world championship starts, right? Yeah, I raced uh, world champs in 2011 um, in Garmisch GS. That was definitely the highlight of my ski racing career. Cool. That's for that, sure. That kind of sticks out as a, a defining moment. Definitely. Um, now, so I'll admit that my... I first learned about you because I, and I, I suppose I still am, but I used to be a, a avid consumer of Yoon Olsen's video blog. Um, so I'm curious when and how you made that, that friendship with Yoon. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and he, the, the vlogs or the, I guess at that point there are video blogs, there weren't vlogs yet, but right. um, those were awesome. I mean, there was some, he was crushing it with those things in the ski world. It was so impressive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's cool that you, you watched some of us. So I met Yoon first in New Zealand, maybe 2009-ish, something like that. 2008, 2009, right when he made that switch, when he was like full on into ski racing, he made that bet with Yoon Olsen and, uh, and then dove in. Yeah. Or with, yeah, sorry, with Jens Bigmark. Yeah. Now, it, it looked like you guys had a lot of fun. Like, it, it looked like you, you know, I, I think it was probably meant to be portrayed this way, but I'm sure there's a lot of truth to it, that you had a little bit of a, like, counterculture attitude and methodology. methodology. Yeah, so we, we had a ton of fun. The, the reason we really came together was because – I wasn't on the U.S. ski team, and you right. wasn't on the Swedish ski team. We both skied GS. Right. Um, so we ended up spending a, a bunch of time together and training together, and um, it was really fun. I mean, part of that experience is, you know, when you're not on the national team, in some ways it's better because you get to train with a bunch of different people. Um, you get to manage all of your travel. Um, so it opened opportunities to, to do fun things. Sure. Uh, I, I assume this is part, part of that is the answer to this question, but how did you get involved with, with Gumball 3000? Yeah, same thing. Um, of course, like I, I didn't have some sweet sponsor to bring me to Gumball. <laughs> so Yoon, um, started working with this Swedish company, BetSafe, um, and like online gambling company and uh they were a big sponsor of gumball and got a number of cars in it and then he's like dude you want to come join and i'm like definitely what, what was that i mean I, I i imagine this is an almost impossible question to answer but what was that experience like i mean I, it's an insane event yeah no it's super fun um and i think every every year is different it brings different people to it um but you know, there was just some insanely fun times because you bring together um, a number of people that maybe they're not just like rule breakers, but they're people that you don't often run into, uh, let's just say. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a cool community of, of people that are just there really to have a good time and love cars and enjoy spending 10 to 15 hours in a car a day. People think it's just like a bunch of parties and stuff, but it is like serious driving 
right. for a week. Um, I mean, sometimes you're like too tired to even go out. Right. Um, was there like a most memorable moment from that or a favorite leg of the, of the trip or anything? The favorite part of the trip for me, uh, like I, so I was kind of part of three of them. Um, I did this, I did, you and I made a bet that I could hitchhike from New Hampshire all the way to Miami. And if I made it, then I joined gumball that year. And we had a couple stipulations. I, I, I can only have a hundred dollars. Um, okay. and I had eight days to get there. Um, so that was an epic adventure. And then once we got there, it was a super fun event. That was uh, Miami to Ibiza. So okay. we, all the cars ended up going into a, into a, um, like a, a super, a massive container jet. Um, and then flew over to Edinburgh and then we went from, so it was, it was Miami, Atlanta, New York, New York, Edinburgh flying. Then we landed, like nobody slept, landed there and then drove to London, Paris, Barcelona, Ibiza. I think I, I, I think I vaguely remember watching those, those videos um but yeah that hitchhike hitchhiking sounds i assume you made it because you, you yeah, yeah exactly i made it i did make it that was a journey that's um, good mm, that was i imagine epic. that was i imagine that was a challenging hitchhike that's a long way to go yeah it, it was um it was very challenging and you know not everyone wants to pick up hitchhikers no um so i i ended up getting quite lucky um with finding a number for, I like reached out to anyone I could, you know, halfway right. through this journey. And, um, and then found somebody that was actually driving to Miami. Um, so I ended up meeting them in DC uh, okay. and they were driving like a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of clothing. Sorry that, that messed up. Um, they were like moving to Miami. So I like ended up getting uh, like a big chunk of the legs from them. Otherwise I, I don't really know how it would have worked. Um, it was definitely, uh, it's fun to just dive into those things, right? You have no right. idea what's going to happen, and you're just like, game on, let's go. We'll see where this ends up. Right, total, total adventure. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you're, you're pretty established now, but uh, when, when did you decide to start a vlog and a YouTube channel? Um, so I first started that, like the YouTube channel, 2009 or eight or something you can go wait or seven maybe I, I don't know it like it's really old um and then i made a couple videos um and then when yoon and i uh and a few others went to japan to go to go powder skiing yep. just before the pyeongchang olympics um just for fun we just we went there and then as a joke, I just started vlogging for a week to see what it was like. Um, and it was a perfect environment to do it. You know, Benny or Benny, his filmer was there and right. Oscar photographer and, and you and so the four of us were just having an epic time. And I was like, kind of curious what it was like, but then also like ripping on all of us in this journey. Um, so that was really fun. And, and a uh, lot of work like it was mind blowing how much went into blogging. Well, and you seem pretty committed to it now. You must put a significant amount of your time into it. 
so I, I kind of stepped back from it a bit, um, maybe a year ago ish, a uh, year and a half ago, maybe. Okay. Um, I, I went like straight through for almost a year, like a lot of, I did like 160 vlogs or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, when you're doing the same thing over and over again, it, it's just, it's boring for me. So how could it not be boring for the viewer, right? Yeah, totally. I, I know um, what you mean. Yeah. So I stopped doing it and then started focusing on stories that had like meaning for me or that I thought was like more of a powerful story. So like we, we I just posted one about buying a sailboat. So my girlfriend and I, Lynn, her fiance and I, we were supposed to get married this summer because of COVID. We couldn't. So we ended up buying a boat. Um, and that was kind of like this it was a big thing for us and it was fun to do and it was this fun process. So that was fun to make a video about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think no, like the, the stories are more fun. I, I personally really, I watched the whole buying a boat video uh, okay. and I, I loved it. And I, I totally agree. I think it's uh, it's a more entertaining viewing experience when there's kind of a, a story like that. And I, I think you do a fantastic job with that kind of storytelling. Like the whole vibe in that video was awesome. Like when you were sitting on the boat and you were kind of complaining about the process of buying a boat and then you stopped yourself with the narration version of yourself and we're like, all right, what's this guy talking about? Like he's complaining about shopping for yachts. Um, I just, exactly. I think it's, uh, it's, it's extremely well done. And I think you're right that that when you have a story like that, it's it's a lot more interesting, uh, which is one of the reasons why we we thought you'd be a, a fantastic person to talk to. Um, you got a lot of stories, so. But by, by the way, like you guys are doing a phenomenal job with your channel. Um, I'm really, I mean, I'm very impressed with that. So Thank great you. job, and keep it up. Thank you. I wish we had uh, I wish we had boats to shop for and stuff on our channel, but may maybe maybe someday. <laughs> oh, um, now, just in general, kind of how is your life different now, or how life as you know, not like a full time vlogger, but you're more much more on like the content side of things now than like the competition side of things. So just how 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 kind of does your I'm sure your life feels different now? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think when you're racing, it's really easy because it's so structured. Um, you know, you're in New Zealand in the summer, you're, pre you know, and then, and then maybe you go to Chile and then you prep, you know, and sold in right before the first World Cup. And then you're in Colorado and then you're in Europe most of the season. And then you do some nationals and a few other things. And then you have kind of a big break in the summer um, or early summer and you know, you can work on fitness and other things. So it, it's such a natural cycle once you get into it yeah. um, that when you're out of it, it, it's weird. Like when you first stop skiing, it's, it's like mind, it's like just strange. Like the seasons are coming and you don't, I don't know, like before it was almost like you were in school, right? Like, right. like, you know, school starts in September, this, you know, racing starts in October. It's like, you're constantly prepping for that. Um, so now it's completely different. Um, and it takes a bit to get used to it, but it's also, you know, nice to be on this side and 
really fun to, to help develop skis. This was, this has been amazing the last, you know, two and change years now. Yeah. So how did you, how did you first get involved with K2? You know, I yeah, so got the hat on, I got the skis here, I got the shirt on, I'm, I'm all prepared. Nice. I saw this. I was like, I was impressed, actually. <laughs> like, well played. Um, yeah, but so I, I got involved with uh, Jed, Jed Yeiser. Yeah, Jed's awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. Um, so I raced against him when he was at Middlebury. Okay. Um, and when they were talking about doing a piece ski, um he gave me a jingle and we started chatting about it and some ideas and he's like do you want to be involved in this and i'm like Fuck yeah sweet um, awesome so that's kind of where it started now how often when you're when you're done skiing you're like you're not skiing isn't that exciting anymore because every day you're getting a little bit worse um <laughs> sure because you reached like your peak and now, you know, you're not skiing as much. You don't have that focus. So every day you're getting like a little bit worse And everything you do, like everything I want to do in life. It's all, you always want to get better at things. And so right. that's way more fun. So when, when you take like skiing and then you're like, okay, now we want to make better equipment. We want to make better skis, we want to make better gear. And then it's really fun because you have, you have a new goal, you have a new focus. So yeah. then you go out skiing every day and you're psyched um, when before it's like, it's nice to ski and super fun, but you feel like you don't, you don't feel the, the same progress. Yeah. Now, sense. what was your involvement in like the development and testing? Like, were you going to the factories and, and talking with, like talking with Jed a lot? You know, I know Jed is extremely involved in the engineering of those skis. Um, so yeah. what, where, where, your, where was your role in, in that process? So my role was on, on snow. Okay. Um, so we'd go to a bunch of different places and test skis and see if what we changed actually worked and didn't work. So we'd have a bunch of different options and, and then go out there and test them in different conditions and, and see if we were happy with the changes. Yeah. Um, and then test against other skis. So it was, it was really fun. Um, it was, a, it was so nice to have a new goal, um, on snow. Uh, I'm a big fan of this ski right here. What would you say your favorite thing, you know, we'll give a little product pitch here. We'll just, this will be the, the raw advertising section of this. What's your, what's your favorite thing about the disruption skis? So, so there's a, there's a whole lineup, right? Sure. Um, you've got a number of different widths. Um, so I think what you're looking at there is the MTI. This is the MTI, is that... yeah. But take whatever whatever ski you want. You can you can talk about whichever one. Yeah. You so want. my favorite is the one. My favorite's the 180 MTI. Okay. Um, yep. I just love that ski to ski on um, on pretty hard snow. I mean, like it's not a race ski. But you can ski on anything. You can really play with the turn shape a lot. You can you can bend it right up under the top of the turn and create a, a pretty tight arc. Yep. Um, it's 18 meter radius, but you can you can really play and it's super stable. Um, so for me, like that's the the ski I'm on. I don't know, 80% of the time, um, cool. unless there's you know it's more of a powder day or something else. But I just love arcing skis like. That's what I like about skiing more than anything. Um, yeah. So I dig that one. And then if there's a little bit more snow, 
Um, then the, the other one you have, the 82 Ti right there is, is a great option. Um, the 78 is a great option. Um, the 78 has, has a little bit uh, more rocker to it. So when we've skied, I've done a number of ski tests with, with other skiers that aren't quite as good. And they really like that the 78 Ti because you can, you can kind of, you can be very neutral in your stance and roll the ski up like really nicely under your foot when on the MTI 180, you, you, act, you really have to be over it. You got to be over your skis to, to yeah. power that ski up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it was really fun to help develop these and we're psyched with, with what we made. Well, they're, they're really good. Um, I, I use the MTI as like my, uh, my ski bum race ski here in Stowe oh, sick. and it's like, yeah. and, you know, it's like perfect that, like you said, that 18 meter radius and its ability to kind of, you can bend it into, you know, like that's what I need in a race course is like, if I mess up, I need the, the kind of ability to make a quick short turn and get back on my line. Um, so they're like perfect for, for me. And I think they're. They're fantastic skis, so kudos in your uh, in your help in that design process. And it's cool that you mentioned Jed. I got to go out, um, this was last summer, I got to go out to Seattle and ski Mount Hood. And actually, I don't think we were still testing prototypes, but I got to ski some some pre-production versions of the disruptions. So that, that's pretty cool. And I can I can kind of picture what it, what, it, what it would have been like for you in that testing process. Um, pretty fun yeah. group over there at K2. Oh, epic group. Um, such good people. So, yeah, we had a ton of fun. And that's, it's so cool, right? I mean, it's nice to get up there and uh, going to Mount Hood. I, I bet that was a really fun experience. Yeah, super cool. Super cool going from their development center and like seeing all the testing and everything that they can do there. And then like literally like build a ski, throw it in the van and then go test it like four hours later was like a, a pretty darn cool thing to see firsthand um, and, and kind of solidified my opinion of, of K2 as a brand, just that they're, they're doing some cool stuff. And, you know, they've got that, uh, that US based story, which I, I think is really cool in the ski world. Uh, now tell me a little bit about the Disruption Cup, because that looked like an absolute blast. <laughs> that was an absolute blast. Um... Yeah. What do you, what do you want to know about it? Well, let's see. First of all, did you win every stop? Uh, so there, there, I did not win uh, on, I, I, I was, I got second in the only stops. There's only been in Garmisch. There was going to be a bunch more, but when COVID hit that, that just changed everything. Yep. Um, so there's only one stop. It was in Garmisch uh, when we launched the ski and it was an absolute hoot. Um, it was, I don't know if you saw some of the videos, maybe you could like throw a couple clips in right now to show what, what we, what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it looked awesome with like banked turns and everything. It looked like a ton of people weren't on race skis, but some people were on race skis, big, big diversity in skiing backgrounds. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Do you feel like skiing needs more events like that? Does it need more or could it, could it use more? It could yeah. definitely use more. Does it need more? I, I mean, sure. Um, but 
it's a fun, right? I mean, that's what skiing is about. It's about going out there, pushing your limits a bit and, and having a great time. Right. So at least in my opinion, and that's exactly what this event is, you know, it's this really fun head to head stuff that that's amazing. I mean, the hammer drop that we started out of, like right. that thing was so cool. Um, and then right in the first bank turn, another one, a couple whoop de doos. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a really fun course. And then I love like the big turn at the bottom. So there was like this, and that's where I, I made up some time. Um, you, you went over this last jump and then there was a big right footer that you had to set early and then snap off a tight little arc. Um, and then you could beat somebody out and hit the buzzer and, and win. <laughs> there's actually a, there's actually a, a video game app now. Um, that K2 just came out with here in Germany that, that is, you can do the Disruption Cup uh, and win skis. So a little plug for, for that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to me, it just looked like such a such a great event, you know, and I, I love I love things like that in, in the ski world with that kind of attitude um, and like a little bit of a competitive environment because I think a lot of skiers are competitive at nature. Um, but but then yeah, throwing the fun factor into it, uh, it just looked like a blast, and I think it kind of goes along with the with the kind of attitude of the skis. And head to head is phenomenal. Like yep. there's, it's so much more fun to race somebody. Um, yep. So I think that yeah, it was it was a hoot, and then the party at the end was like K two style insane. Uh, so Warner, what uh, what does the future look like for you? Is there any uh, do you have any big plans in the in the immediate future or long term future? Yes. So the, I think when COVID hit, um, everything kind of changed. You know, like I, I haven't I I haven't been back to the U.S. since it hit, um, which has been tough. Um, but yeah, the the future is kind of still going slow, I guess, right now, um, at least for me. Yeah. Um, so n nothing like epic to talk about, but I'm just fired up to go skiing and try to figure out a way, like planning to maybe run a place up in Ore um, awesome. for, for a large part of the season and just kind of be more local and try to ski as much as you can. Um, I'm also on the board of U.S. Ski and Snowboard um, as the athlete rep for Alpine. Um, okay. so I'm going to try to get to some, some world cup races. I will see, you know, how, how much they want outsiders in it. it I mean, it could be a little strange this year, but try to get to some, some world cups as well. And, um, and then do a few events for K2, um, a few like testing clinics and stuff. So that's kind of what, what my little window looks like. Um, but everything's, you know, kind of in question. So that's why I think the, ski locally and um try to get as many runs in as you can yeah i feel like that's gonna be the the theme for this season for most people is is enjoy the skiing that you can get most most easily so to speak um but i'm excited to see uh see what you do in the future um do you have do you have plans of staying with k2 i hope yeah, definitely. I mean, ah, it's, I, I wouldn't want to be with any other company. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, next time you're in New England, let's try and do some skiing. I don't know if that'll yeah. be this season. No, I, yeah, right. It might not be, but you're in Stowe, right? I mean, like, yep. I love Stowe.
yeah, come up, come up to Stowe. We, we would love to have you. Uh, yeah. You know, once once we're past COVID, hopefully we could do some sort of a mini little event, do some skiing, have a lot of fun. We need a disruption cup there. We've we've already been talking about it with the guys over at K2. So as Good. soon as it's uh, something that we're able to do, I think we're going to try and do it. Uh, so, yeah. Um, let's see anything, you know, you're, you're a busy guy, lots going on. Anything you want to kind of plug or, or, or let our audience know about before I let you go? Um, no, just, uh, just, it was nice to chat. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, always fun. Um, yeah, just try to get as much skiing as you can. You oh, guys, all you guys. Yeah, everybody, hopefully. You know, I, th I think uh, I think everybody needs needs a lot of skiing right now, so to speak. And hopefully, hopefully, God, I'm, I'm so I'm so hopeful that that you know people will be able to do a lot of skiing. Um, maybe there'll be more touring, you know. But yep. just I hope that that this season will will be like what you know what people get in other sports of buying bikes and getting outside more. I just hope that that's the case for, for us. It's really tough for all the athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about, you know, 15 year olds and, you know, they're struggling to understand what their season's even going to look like. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's really good for the younger athletes, you know, kids that get her 10 to 12, they just stay more local and just train and maybe more people will ski because it's a chance just to get outside. I've uh, I've thought about the kids a lot myself. I coach um, freestyle pretty part time here in Stowe, and you know we have a number of athletes in that in that age range, like twelve to fifteen. And like specific example, a lot of them last year, just because where they fell in age ranges and stuff like that, they decided to skip certain events like nationals and and kind of big things like that to push them off to this coming season. And now it's a big question mark for those guys, whether things like that are even going to happen. Um, so, and then I imagine as your, your role on the U S ski team, you've got a whole bunch of stuff to figure out right now. Um, Cause we've been following that pretty closely here at ski essentials, all the, all the world cup decision-making process, you know, you're, you're going to be Europe only and all that stuff. Um, so I, I would imagine there's a lot to figure out. Yeah, I mean, out I, I had nothing to do with any of that, which is great. I mean, my, yep. my role is is not getting into the the details on any of that stuff. Um, but like they've got to be doing a lot of that. Um, and it's I, I wish there was better leadership at FIS right now as we're going into the season with backup plans and a bunch of different ways to make sure it happens. But there's been some lack of leadership in a lot of places, which is tough. Well, hopefully we have some ski racing to watch and, and hopefully all goes as well as it can. Uh, Warner, I'm going to let you... That's what we're get, talking about. <laughs> I'm going to let you get back to working on your boat or, or whatever boat owners do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sound, sounds good. I'm going to let you get back to it. And um, yeah, have a, great, have a great rest of the day. And uh, thanks for catching up. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you, you chatting. This was a lot of fun and, and hopefully we get to do it in person sometime and do some skiing. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Warner.